Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot. Connect to more. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutela Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Hello, Montana. Jason Crebo, Mike Dugar, Olivia Felcher, Matt Johnson, Dane Oliver, and the chick who doesn't know sports. Why would we even show up on a Friday, Coulter? We have rendered ourselves unnecessary. It's two telling new one is one oh two nine ESPN radio, SWX Montana television. Outstanding to be with you on a Friday afternoon. Hope you are having a wonderful and at least in western Montana, I think most of the rest of the state as well, very white Friday afternoon headed into a Friday evening. Thanks for letting us ride along with you into uh I guess what I would say winter number one across the state of Montana. Ha- hope you are well. Uh drive slow, people. Just drive slow. Take it easy. You're going to get there. We got us to carry you along back to your house where you can hunker on down for a nice, cool, uh, snow-filled weekend. Let's take a look at what we got in the show today. First of all, we're going to get into a little bit of high school stuff. A couple of high school games uh, yesterday, and actually, 
more important than you might think in some ways. We got some playoff clinching wins happening across the state of Montana at the AA level yesterday, so we will get into that. And also, we are very happy today to continue our series with Grizz Grace, the 25th anniversary of the 1995 National Champions, our podcast series that is out this time Jason Krebo. We're going to hear from Jason Krebo, the uh, great University of Montana Grizzly linebacker, a four-year number 37 wearer legacy player uh, who was uh, an absolute all-timer for the University of Montana and a sophomore on that team, one of the very few uh, underclassmen and perhaps the only underclassman that was a starter uh, on offense or defense on that team. We'll have to check to make sure, but I, I, that may be the case as a sophomore. Definitely on the front seven. Yeah, ca- starter, uh, uh, starting for the Grizzlies. So we, you will hear from him, from Jason Krebo, and that episode going to be up here for you uh, as soon as the show is over that you can go listen to uh, at your leisure and enjoy that over the weekend. We also will have Mike Dugar once again, our 12 for the 12 segment, the Seattle Seahawks game. Again, in case you haven't heard, it has been flexed into Sunday night football because of concerns about the uh, viability of the Raiders-Patriots game, uh, excuse me, Raiders-Buccaneers game, which was supposed to be the Sunday nighter. There was a COVID situation. It looks like that game's happening but it's still a little bit in the balance there. So the Sunday night window, they said, no, 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 we're not sitting here messing around wondering if there's going to be a game. We're picking a game that for for sure is going to happen. And so they have the Seattle Seahawks and Arizona Cardinals playing Sunday night. So we will get break that game down for you with Mike Dugar, a friend from The Athletic who uh, covers the Seahawks, does a great job there. Olivia Felcher, she is our Mattress Firm Student of the Week from Big Sky High School right here in the city of Missoula. We will talk to her. And then top of the hour, Garden City Spotlight, both Matt Johnson and Dane Oliver, two coaches of the high school teams in the city of uh, two of the high school teams in the city of Missoula, the Big Sky Eagles. Huge win yesterday. In fact, a record-setting win at a number of different levels yesterday over Kalispell Flathead. They punched their ticket to the state tournament. So congratulations to Big Sky. They get a day off today. And now Dane Oliver got to play in the snow against Kalispell Glacier, a 5-1 and one football team, very good team. And also, of course, we will do Carol in the Chico doesn't know sports and get you ready for World Series game two. And that's, uh, you know, that's about all we'll have time for, huh, Coulter? <laughs> I love it. It's uh, another packed Friday and uh, should be fun to go through. Oh, this huge win by Big Scale last night. Huge, man. huge. Um, I, I, you'll hear because we, we recorded this with Matt Johnson earlier today, but I was teasing him. And uh, I just, I always hearken back to the same, but I don't think that former Big Sky coach Gary Eckergan, rest in peace, would ever even believe that there would be a game where it was 60-41. to 41. I think Eck would just walk off. Yes. Like, okay, great, you won, but I think he would just be like, this is not the football that I thought was the sport I was coaching. I'm out. I'm not, I, I don't think that Gary Eckergan, I would actually say, I can almost guarantee you Gary Eckergan never coached in a football game where 100 points were scored combined winning by 19 would be so far outweighed by the fact that you'd allowed 41 points to be scored you'd just be just I mean, be fit to be tied i mean when we beat love gary when we great. beat cmr 13 to 7 my senior year it was the happiest he's ever been <laughs> the greatest football game ever played <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful. Hey, if you want to participate with us today, please do. 361-3688. All guests join us via the Raggage Brothers RV phone line. You can text that phone number as well. Again, 361-3688. Get in here with that. And if you'd like to listen live on the World Wide Web, maybe when you get home, you get out of the cold, you get onto your computer, go to 
our website, 1029ESPN.com. You stream the show thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Coulter, before we get into some more of the specifics of what happened last night around the state, both in football and the state cross-country meet uh, taking place as well, as we do every Friday. It's time for our Florence Coffee Company coffee break. Got myself a hot coffee today since it's pouring down snow. Coulter, his standard iced coffee over there. Uh, it's it's a great way to start your weekend, is it not? Especially when it's snowy, you get yourself a hot tea, a latte, a coffee drink of some sort. Feel very good. Hunker down with a book when you get home. I actually read last night nice. a little bit. I threatened to do it on Twitter. I, in fact, did do it for a while. I nice. felt very good. Nice. Just get yourself a Florence Coffee Company coffee and feel very good. And remember, all month long, go with your pet dressed in costume to any Florence Company kiosk after the morning rush, don't ask them to slow down for you while they're trying to get 100 people through, okay? But after the morning rush, take your pet in costume. They will take a picture of your pet, of you and your pet, put it on the Facebook page, and then you'll have a vote via likes on the Florence Coffee Company Facebook page with tons of big prizes. You can go to FlorenceCoffeeCo.com, their website, uh, for more information and specifics. But they do this every year leading up to uh, Halloween. A lot of fun. So go ahead, Florence Coffee co.com and get your pet dressed up have a little bit of fun this october uh coulter last night you already mentioned it but 60 to 41 the uh, big sky eagles getting their second win of the season they bookend wins uh with uh, uh their you know 2020 campaign they normally now everybody goes to state nothing's normal now so they have shortened up state so not everybody's going to the state tournament and the eagles had to win this game in order to ensure themselves a spot in the playoffs they did it and they did it behind primarily one individual who well it's hard to overlook eight dang touchdowns Coulter Janicaro had six rushing touchdowns i believe 286 yards on the ground rushing big sky school record also it's a quarterback for this. He's running as the quarterback. He also actually threw in this game was 17 to 22, 167 yards. 167 yards. Two touchdowns through the air. So responsible for eight touchdowns in total. Coulter, where does that stand in the history of state double A football when you talk about prolific scoring by an individual in a single game? Well, Dallas Cook, who was Butte High's quarterback on their 2012 state title team. Uh, his younger brother, Dylan Cook, now playing for the Montana Grizzlies. Right. He did it twice that year. He, I think he set the Montana <laughs> single-season record for touchdowns. But Dallas Cook, I think he only had one rushing touchdown in that game. Right, he was he just throwing seven. it everywhere. Yeah, That was yeah. when they first started running the air raid. And man, Dallas Cook is one of the most fascinating kids that ever came out of the state of Montana because he is very um, – who do you compare him to? He's like the quarterbacks that were so in vogue in the early 2000s, like Dante Culpepper, Byron Leftwich, or Jared Lorenzen. Mm. Like, he's just big. He can't really move. It doesn't matter because you can't take him down. I mean, Dallas Cook was like 6'5", 250 in uh, high school. And, you know, you can see the size that those kids could be because his brother Dylan was a quarterback of Butte High, too. And now he's the starting offensive tackle for Montana because those are are big dudes. But, um, anyways, it was so interesting that Dallas never ended up anywhere. He decided to go to a junior college out of high school and then never ended up transferring anywhere. At what, once upon a time, he had an offer from Washington State, and he just never took the offers that he had and then rolled the dice, tried to get bigger offers. But I don't really know how you get a bigger offer than Washington State when you're from Butte, Montana. But regardless, it was very interesting that he never went anywhere. But uh, he did it twice back in 2012, that state cha- championship season for Butte High. And then Butte Central, Sean Walsh did it in 1991, the all-class record holder 
for uh, touch to, total touchdowns in a game is nine, uh, set by Bo Hughes, Missoula Loyola. Wow. Yeah. Uh, back in 2012 when they won the state title. Bo's also a quarterback. This is so impressive, though, because it's the, of the six rushing touchdowns. Like, that's an amazing number. We've seen Jake Randina have seven as a running back, but six rushing touchdowns for a quarterback, yeah. that absolutely has to be a state record. Well, it was a, it was a big day, and they needed it. I mean, they, they scored it. 60, but, you know, Flathead was, was ready to go. They scored 41 in this game, but you got to get that win. And it's interesting. We, we understand in the, in, the, in the state right now, there's basically six teams that are one loss teams or better. Yeah. And then there's a whole bunch of teams that are two or, two or maybe three win teams, really two one teams or worse, two win teams or worse. And so there's a real separation, right? But Big Sky, this is so interesting. Okay, they beat Hellgate, they beat Flathead. Good. You're better than those teams. You've lost, they lost to Butte, but they've lost to Hellgate, or excuse me, uh, to Sentinel, to Glacier, to Helena High, just like everybody has. But if you look at those, if you look at the roll call on those games, Big Sky played Sentinel better than Helena High played Sentinel. Absolutely. And Big Sky's only Big pro- Sky played Glacier better than a lot of teams have played Big, Glacier. Big Sky's so, only problem is depth. Right. Every game they've played, they're in it until midway through the third quarter. And, and then the teams that have more guys, they just pull right out of gas. Late. That's yeah. it. But I mean, they had Glacier on the ropes late in the third quarter. They had Sentinel on the yeah. ropes in the third yeah. quarter. They, they just like Matt Johnson told us he only is playing like fifteen guys. But it's easy to go. Okay, well you're in. Well, you know. Okay, congratulations. What now? And certainly Big Sky, whoever they play, it will likely be Glacier, is going to be a, a significant underdog in their first round playoff game. But like you said, if if you have a problem of talent or you have a problem of depth, you know neither one is great. But if talent's not your issue, you can you can go and make it happen. You can pull an upset, especially against a team that is also – they're kind of a match of each other. Both teams that really like to run the ball yeah. don't throw it a ton in Big, in big Sky and Kalispell Glacier. I mean, last time they played, Big Sky had two picks in the first, like, 20 minutes of the game, but they were trying to take shots to take advantage of those picks, and then Coulter Dan Carroll threw two picks. Mm. So it was back, they weren't able to maximize it. If you get them in a postseason situation, though, where they're playing on the road and they've got nothing to lose – they're not going to be throwing the ball there. They're going to sit on it. And that's what the, I guarantee us yeah. we're going to go up there and do. I mean, that's the thing about Coach Johnson. Love Coach Johnson. Play for Coach Johnson. He is so good at coaching effort. And they're, the, the thing about Big Sky is they're always going to give you the effort. Sometimes they just don't have the horses. But yeah. they do have some good players. Colton Jack Carroll's a great player. Really but good. this Trey Reed kid is good too, man. He's a good athlete. He caught a touchdown yesterday. Uh, he's the Big Sky's point guard. He's, he's younger. I can't remember if he's a sophomore or a junior. But he's got a lot of talent, man. I mean, I think he's a guy that's going to get college looks. Uh, when it's all said and done. So uh, congrats to Big Sky. It's cool that they're in the playoffs and uh, they get a chance to to play another day. It, it's cool because Colton Janet Carroll is one of the best players in the state, so he deserves to make a run at it. I mean, yeah. they're not going to win the state championship, m- almost certainly, but sure. be in the playoffs and play a game, why not? I mean, it's it's, it's good for the state to have Jake Randina versus Colter Janet Carroll basically next week when these, these two teams square off. Colter, uh, quickly now for us. One other game at the AA level last night and also uh, the cross-country results. The state cross-country meet was uh, was held. Tell us what's going on there. So state cross-country right now, uh, the A and B are in the books. It's snowing, snowing, snowing up in Kalispell, man. It's, the meet, it's all class meet. Meet's being held at... Uh, Rebecca Farms on the boys' side, Class A, Hamilton resounding victory on the team side of things. They had 35 points. And remember, this is the total of your placing, so lower scores sure. are better. 
Hamilton 35, Harden 54, Columbia Falls 152. So no real competition for those top Congratulations two. Congratulations to both of those and certainly to Hamilton State Champ. <laughs> this, and this is funny. This is actually a trend that I've noticed. Speaking of Coulter Janicaro, when I was growing up, my name was so rare. I know I didn't know a single person with the name Coulter. Now You're, it's a pretty trendy name. Well, you, it's because you are a trendsetter. People well, like this guy? Yeah, I'll I, name my yeah, son maybe. Coulter. I don't think so, though. Uh, <laughs> The but we just talked Coulter J. Carroll. Well, Coulter Purcell and Coulter Kirkland go one two. For wow, Hamilton Bronx. how about that? And uh, then T- Tanner Need, he places fifth, and that was huge for Hamilton. That was what basically uh, put them over the top on the girls' side. Class A, Laurel fifty points, Columbia Falls seventy, and Harden eighty two for your top three. But Brinley Polson from Hamilton wins the individual medal. So she's 19, 19 minutes and two seconds. That's a good time. She wins that thing by 51 seconds. Wow. Adria Morich of Laurel. So Hamilton has the individual champions, both uh, boys and girls in Class A. Uh, team titles for Class B. Eureka was first on the boys' side. Townsend first on the girls' side. A thrilling race. Manhattan's Haley Hemingway. She won the individual title, and then another Manhattan girl came across the finish line in, let's see, ninth, and it looked like Manhattan was going to win, but then Towson stacked up in the teens, and they win by one, 59 to 60. Amazing. Towson beats Manhattan for the team title on the Class B girls' side. Amazing. So Class Uh, A will be tomorrow, and uh, you know, as you heard in the sports, I guess as you will hear in the sports, unless you've been listening to ESPN Radio all day, but... uh, we got a couple of Missoula teams that are gunning for the Goliath. That's yeah. that's Bozeman High as as one of them all since 2007, pretty no much. Doubt. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the class AA race plays out as well. Very good, thank you, Coulter. Hey, uh, in night uh, in 1995, there's a good chance when you called your friends, family, and colleagues on the other side of the town, you used a phone service from Blackfoot Communications. Well, guess what? A quarter century later bring us to the present day and Blackfoot continues to keep our homes, businesses, and everything else, everyone else connected with state-of-the-art voice and internet services. Blackfoot takes great pride in celebrating the indelible mark left by Montana's run to its first football national championship in 1995 and Blackfoot is excited to sponsor Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 national champions a 25-part podcast series reliving that epic campaign. Blackfoot, a proud supporter of Grizz Athletics. And we read that now because Blackfoot, thanks to them for uh, bringing this to us, the ninth episode of Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions with Jason Krebo. Jason Krebo, if, uh, if you've been around this town very long at all, you know immediately who Jason Crebo is. I mean, there's some names where you go, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Oh, yeah, I remember guy. Well, you don't have to remember Jason Crebo because you never forgot Jason Crebo if you uh, if you watched him play an absolute old-timer uh, yeah. traveling through the University of Montana. And uh, we have a little sound for you from his episode now, but Coulter, I know for you personally, again, an, an all-time favorite at a moment where you were a fairly impressionable uh, little guy. Oh, no question. I mean, I was in fourth grade when this was going down, and I thought Jason Krubo was, besides Lawrence Taylor, the greatest football player on planet Earth. I thought he was just the man. Jason Krubo has such a distinctly unique legend in Montana football history, too. He's the first linebacker to ever wear number 37, the fourth player to ever wear it since the tradition started. Greg yeah. Paulson to Tim Houck, Todd Erickson, who was a great representative from Butte, and there's a lot of guys that were worthy of the number, and they give it to the young guy, and then he goes on and becomes a four-year starter, a three-time first-team All-Big Sky guy. But the other thing that added to Kribo's mystique, because he's certainly 
one of the most physically gifted. I mean, the, the Grizz have had an amazing amount of great linebackers. He is absolutely one of the most physically gifted that they've ever had. I mean, he's six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds, and ran like a deer. He could come off the edge. And uh, the thing about Krebo, though, is he was so quiet in college that they never made him do media, and it made him seem even more scary and intimidating. <laughs> like when you get when you see Colt Anderson, he's flying around all over the place, but then you hear him talk, you're like, well, "This is like the nicest guy in the world from Butte, yeah. Montana." You know, yeah. like you hear Mark Mariani, and you're like, "Well." Yeah, he's from Haver. He's like the nicest guy. And Krebo, you never heard from him, so it made him even more scary. He's like this stoic character. Him and Croy Bierman are very similar like that, where you never heard him talk. So you never had this, oh, wow moment. Like, this is a kid. He just seemed like a, the man yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I think that he he has such a lore around him because of so many different reasons. But this was really fun for me to catch up with him because he's a guy, I honestly, I idolized him when I was a little kid. Well, here you go. Uh, a little uh, piece of our conversation with Jason Krebo. You know, Jason, there in, in Helena, it's kind of equidistant, right, between Montana and Montana State. But coming there in the early 90s, Don Reed, you know, pretty well established as the head coach of the Grizzlies, six, seven years at the point that you were graduating from Helena Capital. What brought you to the University of Montana out of high school? Yeah, you know, it's kind of crazy. We There wasn't a lot of, I guess, publicity. And um, obviously, you read everything in the newspaper, but... I don't remember a lot of hype and stuff with the Grizz and the Cats, and I think I maybe made one Grizz-Cat game when I was in high school, and I think I might have went with Andy Larson. He's a good friend of mine. And so um, I didn't know either one really how they were doing in high school until I got to the recruiting process. And so... um, to be honest, I was heavily influenced by Andy, um, Billy Cockhill, obviously, who was a, a Capitol High graduate that went there. Um, and so that, that weighed heavy on my decision. I didn't have any reference to, to Montana State as far as guys that have gone there, other than Lee Carter, who uh, Lon Carter was, was my teacher. And so I knew, knew of him a little bit, but um, when I made a choice to go to Montana. It was kind of more about staying home, uh, knowing some capital guys that have gone there and just uh, having comfort in that. That was probably one of the two things that, that made me choose that school. You know, it's interesting though, because when you got to the university of Montana, you're, you know, you played four seasons, you know, starting with your red shirt freshman season and you wore the number 37 for four years, which not very many have ever done. And so the legacy that you kind of stepped to and then also created and, and, and brought with you at the University of Montana is significant. Was that, do you think about that in the context of not having this long history of guys who are sort of indoctrinated into the University of Montana and, and, and football from the time that they're born, whether it's family or whatever it is, that you kind of got into that about the point that you went to the university? Yeah, you know, it is interesting. You know, there was a little bit of history with 37, obviously with Coach Paulson and, and Tim Houck, but I, I didn't grow up knowing that. I didn't go to the games like probably a lot of the kids do now. And so, yeah, when I first learned of it, when I got there, I knew it was a big deal. And so I didn't think much about, you know, getting a number early on that I was going to wear for four years. I was, I was actually pretty nervous and I knew the expectation. I I was more kind of like, you know, I don't want to let these guys down. Um, The guys that have made the number what it is. And so when, when Rico, gave me that number 
I was, I was not, I wasn't going to decline it, but I thought, man, are you sure I'm the guy? I was going into my freshman year. I had mono. I lost like 40 pounds. And that my mindset was, was far from being success on the field at the time. I was just trying to get some playing time. And so as I look back, I think the number was, was probably good for me in the sense it motivated me that, you know, I've got to do something with this career. I can't let these guys down. And they gave me this number. Was there a level of pressure? Because like you said, I mean, there, there had been a couple guys that had worn it before you, Craig Paulson, Tim Houck, Todd Erickson, but now it's such this larger-than-life thing, and oftentimes the guys that get it, so much of their time and effort is spent living up to this legacy. Do you remember there being an element of pressure with the number, or what was just the dynamic of actually donning the jersey? Yeah, you know, maybe it was probably pressure for myself, and I did that a lot. I I put a lot of pressure on myself, and I think you kind of have to to be successful. I had some expectations personally, but that number was, it wasn't what it was now as far as publicity-wise and the legacy and all that stuff. It, it was more in-house that everybody knew on the team, especially because there's so many Montana guys, what that number represented. And obviously, with the success, really, I think Tim was was the guy that that made that number in the sense of how he played and then going on to the to the next level in the NFL. And then Rico kind of followed that up with, you know, how well he did. And, and he did get a chance in NFL also. So that was kind of the in-house mentality that at that time was like, Hey, the two guys really that had it before you were all Americans. Um, they both went to the NFL. And so that's kind of how I looked at it. It's like, this isn't just a number with Montana. It's the guys that have wore this have have wore it well, and uh, they actually, you know, did something. And so that's kind of how I took it. Is you know, not only being a Montana guy, but I I better I better make the number proud and and uphold it, and not just from a personal standpoint, but just to try to follow suit with those guys. You know, when you go from from high school football to the Division One level, it's a significant jump, and especially like you were mentioning, you, you you come down with this terrible sickness, you lose a bunch of weight, you're just trying to get through that. As you as you got over mono and start, you know, building your your strength and your health back up, and then you know, eventually start playing football. Was there a moment where you said, "Okay, I know that I I have the the ability to play at this level," or was it you know, was it intimidating at first, or were you did something happen where you go, "Okay, I think I can do this." Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I maybe most guys would say. No, there's not a specific time, but I I do have a specific time. And I don't know if Coach Paulson remember this. It was that redshirt freshman year. I think I was third or fourth on the depth chart. I was just kind of starting to feel good physically. And we were into the season a little bit, I think, already. And so there was a guy even in my class that was ahead of me at the linebacker position. But... I specifically remember a practice where I'm just kind of standing there and and we're going against uh, the offense and it was my turn up and it wasn't anything special. We were doing some run plays or whatever and we went live for a little bit and and I don't know what it was. I was I was just kind of like you know I'm tired of 
sitting behind all these guys. And so I kind of just started to step it up and, and went through a few plays or whatever. In my mind, it was a big deal because Coach Paulson just stopped stopped the practice in that little area and was just kind of staring at me, kind of like, you know, where did that come from? In other words, where has this been all this time? <laughs> right. And uh, I, I wasn't, I didn't think anything much. And I was just like, uh, I don't know, I'm just. And so he kind of looked at me like, you know. Uh, let's do this again. So we went through it a few more times and I remember him just kind of, he didn't say anything to me, but he just kind of looked at me like, you know, if you can do that all the time, then uh, you've got what it takes. And I think, you know, really from that practice, that just gave me a a huge boost of confidence um, that I actually could uh, perform. And then, yeah, the rest is kind of history as far as, you know, I became the backup to, to Danny Downs as a redshirt freshman and just kind of watched him the rest of the year and got a little bit of playing time here and there. So there you go, Jason Crebo, an excerpt from our uh, most recent episode. It's episode nine of Grizz Greats, the silver anniversary of the 1995 National Champions of Boys and Girls. That is out right now on all your favorite uh, uh, podcasting platforms, Google, Apple, Spotify, wherever you can go subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate all of that listening to it. We hope you enjoy We have certainly enjoyed it very much. You can also go online to grizzgrades.com. Just listen to it on a browser. If that's more your style, you can do that as well. But Jason Krebo's episode is up right now. You can go check it out, share it with friends. We'll have it on our uh, Twitter feed, social media is here for you soon as well. Grizz Greats. As mentioned, it's brought to us by Blackfoot Communications. It's also brought to us by our friends at First Security Bank, Holter. And just to tease some of the ones we have coming up, we recorded a bunch, and we still have some other great ones, obviously, coming up. But we have spoken with Eric Simonson, great offensive tackle, Randy Riley, great D-end, uh, Dave Keppert, Missoula native, and a variety of other guys. But one guy's coming in next week is going to be a really fun one is Mike Boucher. He's a great yep. talker, great storyteller. And his dad, Bill Boucher, was the president of First Security right. Bank for years and years. And that had such a huge influence on the Grizz because, as we know, First Security Bank was one of the business leaders in the community that helped the Grizz land the playoff bid in 1993, which set the table for what we've seen since then. First Security Bank has been a fierce supporter of University of Montana Athletics, particularly Grizz football, for generations now. And they are your banking experts no matter what you need. They're trustworthy, they're friendly, and they can get anything you need done, whether it's business, personal. Go see the guys down at First Security Bank. First Security Bank in Missoula, proud sponsor of Grizz Greats. Mike Dugar, 12 for the 12s, gets you set for Seahawks, Arizona, Sunday night football next. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot. Connect to more. From Montana high school football to the NFL, it is Tutel and Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. And we are... uh, 
Happy now to welcome in, as we do every Friday about this time, our good friend Mike Dugar. Mike covers the Seattle Seahawks for The Athletic, and the Seattle Seahawks playing the Arizona Cardinals Sunday night. This game flexed out to a night game to make sure there was a game. There was a trepidation about the viability of the Oakland-Tampa game, so they moved that out and moved Seattle into it. And so now, Mike... The Seattle Seahawks, for crying out loud, they're playing their third Sunday night game in seven weeks of football. they got to be getting kind of used to this time slot. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and for good reason, too, man. Like, we've had to suffer through um, – I've been trying to be better this year about watching all the primetime games. And we've had to suffer through some trash, man. So uh, it's, it's good to at least – if you're going to put some teams on there, man, at least put some superstar power on there. It doesn't guarantee the game will be good, like – the Viking Seahawks was pretty trash for uh, the first half last uh, last time, but uh, you're putting Russell Wilson on prime time, like in the year where the ratings are not like where you want them to be. Like this is definitely a sound uh, investment. I mean, to be fair, they were going to have Tom Brady on Sunday night. That's also a sound investment. But Russ is better right. than Tom right now, so uh, yeah, you got to roll with him. You know, I want to obviously talk to you about Seattle most specifically, but let's start with their their opponent here in the Arizona Cardinals. I think Sunday was the first opportunity, or Monday, I guess, rather, the first opportunity for a lot of the country to see Arizona for the first time. You look really good when you get to play Dallas. That's sort of the rule this year, and so they, they certainly did, even though Kyler Murray was like 9 of 24, something like this. But in general, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, still the number one wide receiver by yardage in the NFL so far. Uh, Kenyon Drake, even though he is supposedly kind of underperformed, is like fifth in yards or something like this as a running back. We it's we feel like we know how dangerous this offense is. I feel like I'm looking like at a Seattle Seahawks light kind of when I watch Arizona. What's your assessment of the Cardinals? Um, the, the issue is their quarterback's not as good as Seattle's quarterback. Um, but, um, yeah, they, they have offensive firepower for sure. Uh, I, that was my first time on Monday watching their their game in full. I think I caught a little bit of them beating the Niners in week one, though not a ton. Uh, what I saw is about what I expected. I mean, like, Kyler's got some room to grow. Like you mentioned, he wasn't he just wasn't accurate in that first yeah, half. He right. was actually really bad. Yeah. Um, but it, it, Dallas' secondary is the, the, the cure to all ills, um, as you mentioned. <laughs> uh, hitting, and hit, I mean, hitting the uh, – what did he hit us? 60-yarder mm-hmm. to D-hop and then a 80-yarder to Christian Kirk or something like that. Right. I mean, that's like 90% of the yards he had, mm-hmm. um, I think, on what was at least one busted coverage. So, like, he's definitely got some growing to do. The thing is, though, while he's growing, he's probably running right past you uh, yeah. because he probably takes more steps in between each yard than any human being can possibly take. I think it's uh, nine, steps is <laughs> nine steps yeah, per it's, yard. Nine steps per yard, yeah. I'd love to see the next-gen stats on that. It's fascinating. Some way, a defensive player after they played them last year in Arizona told me um, that it was like trying to catch a he, – he described him as some type of animal. It was like a uh, a possum or a chicken or – it was like trying to catch something that just moves so quick. It's different than Lamar. They all just said Lamar was Michael Vick. Um, but they just said that Kyler was just different. He just moves so quick you just can't can't catch him yeah. now thankfully for the Seahawks they got some more speed on the field this year um, but there's no literally no one on the field as quick as Kyler Murray what's up Mike thanks so much for being with us give us a little injury update I, I saw a tweet earlier from you that was saying Jamal Adams probably a no-go on on Sunday is that accurate and and where does I Seattle's been without him for a couple weeks now already but uh, what does that do to Seattle's defense if Jamal Adams can't go uh, yeah Jamal's out uh, he didn't practice all week so you don't practice you don't play um, I think that what it does is it 
makes clear the weakest link on the field in the base defense. And that's not to say that Ryan Neal is a bad player. It's just it, it, somebody has to be the weakest link. Um, unless you like the Ravens defense that's completely loaded at all 11 spots. Um, you know, when it comes time to like, okay, we need to scheme up some, some throws and some first downs, they're going to go at Ryan Neal. And it, it's just how he responds, right? Not to say he's going to fail at it. I'm just saying, like, if I'm an offensive coordinator, I say, okay, we're 35. Let's make him think. Let's put the motion his way. Let's run the action this way. Like, that's what the good offensive coordinators do. I don't necessarily know if that's what the Cardinals have. Uh, but it, it just makes it easier to ID that spot. And, you know, that's what I think that's what the Vikings did a good job of, too. It wasn't really on Ryan. It was more Cody Barton. They were just like, okay, this guy's relatively new. Let's let's try to run all, a lot of our action and make him think and make him have to get off blocks and they ran for 200 yards. <laughs> so, I mean, that's when, you're only as good as your weakest link. Right? And that's why the Legion of Boom was so good. Not only was it top-heavy, the worst dude, if the worst dude on the field is like Byron Maxwell, your defense is good. Or if your worst player is like a Taba Rubin, your defense is, is, is good. So I think the Seahawks have a, a really high ceiling with their talent, with guys like Bobby and KJ and Quandre and Shaq, even Quentin Dunbar. But they're, you're only as good as your floor um, for the most part. And we're going to find out what that floor looks like uh, on Sunday night. Mike Dugard joining us, 12 for the 12s. We do it every Friday around here, trying to get Seahawks fans a little uh, a little picture into the weekend that will be with Seahawks football. Seattle playing uh, the Arizona Cardinals again this game Sunday night. We'll have it for you here on ESPN Radio. You can follow Mike Dugard at Mike Dugar on Twitter. Mike, I, I've been thinking, I've, I've been following the Seahawks for, for many, many years, but I, it occurs to me, I don't really know what the track record is with Pete Carroll coming out of a bye. What do the Seahawks generally look like coming out of a bye with Pete Carroll, and especially against an Arizona team that, for what it's worth, has actually won less day than a normal week because they played Monday? Oh, man. I, I should have been better prepared for this. <laughs> I actually have the exact... There's an exact stat of what Pete Carroll is coming off a of bye week coaching mm-hmm. Seahawks. I've tried to scramble through my email real quick. I want to say he's like seven and three. Okay. Like it's a very encouraging number for the. I, don't quote me on the exact number, but yeah. it is an encouraging number. Pete coming off of a bye is very good for the Seahawks for what that's worth. I don't necessarily think those numbers are like very instructive because each year, so like if, imagine if one of those years was 2010, right? If they went off their bye, how many guys from this team are on? I think zero. Right, yeah. so it doesn't really matter about what they did in 2010 or 11 or 12 or whatever. Well, um, I'd also so, but be, to answer your question, I think it's good news for the Seahawks. You know, I'd also be interested to know. I mean, in general, you should be better coming out of a bye. So I would think that across the, the NFL, the well, right, but across <laughs> the NFL, like if you're coming out of a bye. You're, you're, it should be your winning percentage should be better than your losing percentage in general. So you have to be actually doing exceptionally well to be better than what I would guess the curve to be. And unless you're like Andy Reid, where it's just mark it in, it's a W. You know, it's still certainly cause you know for for is no, no no such thing as a slam dunk. And so let's talk about the actual matchup, regardless of rest and all that. We know Russell Wilson, he's, oh, he's the best player in the game right now, certainly best quarterback going through six weeks. But in general, what do you think about this matchup, especially without Jamal Adams? I think that's that's significant where, you know, Buda Baker showed why he got all that money in Arizona on Sunday, on Monday. You know, I'm, I'm a little worried. Not a little worried. I'm very worried about the defense. I just am. I just yeah. think I mentioned earlier about about the floor, man, it just it, it concerns me because it's not as if, like, the matchup matters much. And I say that to say, like, they could play a bad offense, which I think, like, teams like, I guess Minnesota's okay. Like, you shouldn't be too scared of the Falcons, I don't think. Like, they, they haven't played, like, world beaters, and they just get 
torched. They got torched by Andy Dalton last year. They've been torched by Nick Mullins. Like, there's just no matchup. I think he threw for 400 yards against them. Um, there's just no matchup in which, you know, I feel like, okay, the defense is going to be good. Like, it was good against Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I didn't feel great about it. Um, and even then, the, the Dolphins were able to move the ball really well. And it was like, oh, well, Mike, every time someone's thrown for 400 yards, the Seahawks win. That's true. Uh, but eventually, that's going to burn you. Eventually, against a good team, they're going to throw 300 or 400 yards or whatever, run for 200, and beat you. Right? You won't make that one play. Right? You won't get that one tipped pass. You won't get that one running back not realizing if he bounces it outside, the game's over. Right? Like that's going. To, I don't know if it's going to burn them this week. Maybe it's next week. Maybe it's the week after. Maybe it's in the first round of the playoffs. I don't know. But I know if you just have a defense that just gives up a hit yard at a historical rate, it is an unsustainable way of like going about winning games. Saw a video of Pete Carroll earlier, and he's walking around with a cane. I think he had arthroscopic knee surgery. But you know, sometimes you, you don't take into account those sorts of things. Will that have any effect on the game, Mike? I know he's a high energy guy; probably still will be. But is Pete Carroll's health at all a concern going into this game? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, Pete. The only funny thing about Pete, you know, getting hurt by doing too much is that like. It's one of the rare moments where I, I understood, not rare, but it's one of a really good example of how he is like a player's coach. Like he can understand how they're feeling. Like when a guy has a knee injury or an ankle or arm, shoulder, Achilles, whatever, and it's like, coach, I'm fine. I can get out there. Let me help the team. Like that's what these guys say every time they're hurt. I guarantee that's what Jamal was saying all week. Right? And it just, it's a really hard convo to be like, you know what? No, you've got to sit this one out. He couldn't even sit this one out. He's the coach. <laughs> like, the, like he's he's very much he's he very much like thinks like them. To like he wears uh, he wears gloves on the on, on practice field. Like, dude, what are you doing? You're not you're not catching the passes. Um, <laughs> I, that that was the funny part about it because I didn't go to practice this week, um, but I did see the pictures of him with the cane and I read about him in the golf cart. Like Pete Pete has that same mentality as those guys. Like I'm competing too with who I'm not sure, uh, but he's competing. Mike, I'm so interested in this because I think the mindset of, of professional athletes and, and maybe specifically football players is such a unique one and maybe so different from what is is common uh, out there. And the idea that guys who are injured uh, are, are have to be protected from themselves I think is sort of uh, odd and almost counterintuitive to a lot of fans where they think, well, if you're injured, you're trying to explain, no, I can't go where the team just wants to use you up and wants to use you up. But in a lot of cases, it's, it's on the team to protect these guys from themselves because they are so trained and ingrained and just inherently competitive to go out there and play through it. How much of that do you see where guys are trying to go and certainly shouldn't compared to guys who maybe could go and don't want to? Oh no! I think that's it's it's much more of the former uh, than the latter. Like, yeah, you got to protect these guys from themselves. Like, I think that's in most sports. I think I have most intimate knowledge of like pro basketball and the NFL, so I'll speak to those. But I imagine it's like that in all of these sports too, where there's just there's just this warrior mindset. Like, who cares if my ankle is twisted? Who cares if I you know sprain something? I look at like even I'll use some extreme examples real quick. Um, let's see. Carson Wentz tore his ACL and kept playing in 2017, actually. Like, Kobe tore his Achilles and walked back out and hit the free throws. Like, I think even, like, I think Clay Thompson might have done the same thing when he yeah. tore whatever he tore in the, in the finals. Like, these guys will know that it's over, you know? 
We know. Uh, Richard Sherman knew in 2017, like, if I make this type of cut, I'm going to tear my Achilles. He played like seven weeks <laughs> like that. Instead of just saying, oh, I just need, I need the surgery. Like, Jadavion Clowney knew as soon as the season ends, I need to fly to Philadelphia and get surgery. The sports center said, he knew it, right? But he put it off uh, because he wanted to be a warrior. Michael, Michael, Michael Bennett used to get a six-inch needle uh, injected into his foot, or his, excuse me, his toe specifically, just to be able to, to go out there. Like, Paul Richardson right, popped his finger that. out in, in 2017 and then popped it back in, popped the game when he touched it. Like, these dudes are insane. That is insane. It is insane. Michael, get you out of here on this. I mean, what, what's, what's the scout for this game on, on Sunday? How do you think it'll play out? What's the key for the Seahawks if they want to come away with a win over Arizona? Uh, I got the Seahawks winning, I'd say, like, uh, let's say, I'll say 38-35. I think a lot of points. I don't really trust either defense to stop either offense on Sunday night. Mike, as always, we appreciate it very much. You listen to him on the uh, – Pod, the Seahawks man-to-man podcast. You read him at The Athletic. Go subscribe and read Mike Dugar covering the Seattle Seahawks each and every week. And, of course, follow him on Twitter as well, at Mike Dugar, 12 for the 12s with us each and every Friday. Mike, thank you so much, man. Always appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Mike Dugar, boys and girls, 12 for the 12s. 12 for the 12s, brought to us by our friends at Dobie's Teriyaki down there in Stocks Bar. They got the best and, frankly, only Seattle-style, proper Seattle-style teriyaki in this town. So if you know, then you then you are already going. And if you don't know, then you need to start. And if you need to start, we can help you with that. Give us a call right now, 361-3688. Got 25 bucks, Dobie's Teriyaki. I want you to, this one I want you to order. I want you to order the large steak and onion spicy extra veg. Solid. Get it. That's what you yep. need in yep. your life. I promise you, it'll it'll feed you <laughs> twice. If you are starving, it'll feed you twice. If you're not, it might even get you three. There you go. It's a lot of food. Give us a call, 361-368. I got 25 bucks at Dobie's Teriyaki. Dobie's Teriyaki, best Seattle-style teriyaki, Missoula, and proud sponsor of 12 for the 12s. Our student of the week, Olivia Felcher out of Missoula Big Sky next. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Student of the week. It's Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. At Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN. 
at Skyline Sports MT. Those are your relevant Twitter handles, so you can go uh, go ahead and check that out wherever you get, uh, well, Twitter, which is on Twitter, and you can listen to us there, follow us there, and we will lead you to all things good and wonderful. It is time for our Mattress Firm Student of the Week, and this week we stay right here in the Garden City. Happy to welcome in Big Sky Senior Olivia Fitchner to the show. Olivia, thanks so much for being here. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're doing great. Thank you very much. And we're excited to have you on. Congratulations on being the student of the week. And bunch to get to here with you, but let's start with this. You are a soccer player for Big Sky. You're a senior, so you've just finished your senior year of soccer. What was it like? Got to be a little bittersweet. Great that you got to be able to play, right? That you actually had a season. But now that it's done, what do you what do you think? How does it feel? Yeah, I am super grateful that we got a season this year with everything going on in the world. It was definitely um, a different season than normal. There were so many changes that happened, but honestly, I feel great about it. I'm just so glad that I got to play one last time with that group of girls. And so what about now? Are you going to be doing anything in the spring in terms of sporting-wise at Big Sky? And then beyond that, do you want to continue to play soccer? Do you think you're done with it for now? Um, so I will not play club soccer in the spring this year because I do not plan on playing in college. I want to study nursing and I just feel like it's more important for me to go somewhere where I'm going to get the best education possible than to continue my athletic career somewhere that might not offer me the same opportunities. So what are you thinking then for school? Where, where are you thinking of going? Um, I'm not 100% sure yet. I've applied to a few places in the Northwest, such as uh, Montana State and Washington State. Those two are probably the biggest ones right now because they're both close enough to home but far enough away where I get to make my own experiences. What was your favorite memory from this soccer season? Anything that stood out or any game or goal or anything like that that you'll remember? Um, there are a few moments that really stand out to me. This year was definitely a year first for me. Um, in our very first game, I got my first yellow card ever in high school. Oh, you then, you are a bad child. How could you go out there and cheat like that? Yeah, which was honestly just, I mean, it's part of the game. It was kind of exciting. I also had my first high school goal this season. All right. Because tell people, too, you're, you're a defender, right? I mean, you play defense, so you're normally not even, you know, on that side of the pitch, right? Yeah, so I'm normally the center back, so I usually don't even make it past half field. But this year there were just so many changes, and I ended up playing midfield for one game, and I ended up scoring. All right. That's fantastic. Well, I, uh, getting your first goal is a great memory and uh, and nice to be able to tuck that one away and have it with you. Again, Olivia Fitchner joining us. She's our Mattress Firm Student of the Week from Big Sky High School. And Olivia, you are also doing a lot to uh, to help out around Big Sky and around the community. First of all, I know you're doing a lot with the Special, special Olympics. You have been for years. How did you get into that? So I got into it through um, Big Sky Soccer Program. So every year, I think that this year would have been either the 10th or 11th annual Big Sky Special Olympic Soccer Camp. So when I came in my freshman year, they were they did it like they normally did, and um, all the um, boys and girls soccer players get matched with a Special Olympic athlete, and you just get to work with them throughout the day. And I just loved the experience, so I 
obviously kept going and got involved with the exceptionalities class at Big Sky High School just to continue to see those kids. And you also, right, are teaching the little, little kiddos. You're helping out with the micro strikers, right, in the dark for crying out loud, like nighttime. They can't find any daytime field. You're out there with headlamps on. What's going on here? Yeah, so this was my second year coaching a U8 boys micro strikers team. Um, the footage that you see was taken actually after our practice was over because it had gotten so dark. So we ended practice and then the kids just were hanging around while the parents were talking and still kicking around the soccer ball. And yeah, it's super fun. I loved this season. It was a great season with those kids. But that's, I mean, that is a lot, right? I mean, you're playing soccer, okay, maybe that's done, you can fit it in, but you're going to school, you're, you're volunteering with the Special Olympics and that, and then you're also coaching this team, which, even though it's fun, it's still a demand on your time, right? I mean, what? why did you choose to use that as an outlet for, for what you wanted to do with your time when you could have just been, I don't know, hanging out with your friends? Yeah, um, I just, I mean, I did it last year when I wasn't quite as busy and I just really, really loved it. And I love working with little kids. I think they're so much fun and they just grasp on to everything that you tell them so quickly. And it's just so much fun to watch them learn. And obviously I love the sport of soccer. So I like to be involved in any way I can. Do you feel like it made you a better player too? A lot of times when you coach it, it helps you like translate the game to someone else. So did did you feel like it made you better? I feel like it definitely made me a better leader and a better teammate because it helps me like look at things from a different perspective and know how to like help kids and be more vocal on the field, which I think does help my game for sure. Well, Olivia, it's been great to talk to you again. Congratulations on being the student of the week this week, and we wish you the absolute best next year as you head off to uh, to college somewhere and into nursing, uh, and we wish you the best in that. That's, that's fantastic. Thanks for being with us. There you go. It's our mattress room student of the week, Olivia Fletcher. Thanks to her for joining us from Big Sky High School. What a great kid she is. Some some uh, patients are going to be very lucky to have her as a nurse somewhere down the line. That's uh, that's what I think about that. Hey, if you got a kid uh, that you like, that you know, that you think is doing great things uh, uh, around the community and their schools, whatever it might be, go on to Mattress Firm mt.com that's from mt.com and submit them and they could be selected to be the student of the week a story about them will be done on swx television they'll come on here and have an interview and then all the students who are students of the week will be in the running the end of the school year next spring to be uh, in the running for the mattress firm student of the year who will receive a three thousand dollar scholarship courtesy of mattress firm so very very cool that way so well uh, let's highlight some good kids some good stories and uh, and somebody's gonna uh, have some money going towards college form as well which is really really fantastic so there you go Mattress Firm Student of the Week. Up next, our Garden City Spotlight. Matt Johnson, head coach of the Missoula Big Sky Eagles. Huge and important win yesterday. We talked to him and also Dane Oliver getting set for the most recent biggest game in the state tonight. Kalispell Glacier 5-1, Sentinel 6-0. Both of them next. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes. And they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org. Or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. 
Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. 